Welcome back to Zach News on Riot Radio. I'm your host, Zach Kingston, and today we'll be discussing the following. Scugog is looking for a new counselor to represent Scugog Island. Two former Port Perry High School graduates are coming together to collaborate for a show at the Scugog's Arts Gallery. Whitby to invest $4 million over the next four years to improve customer service. Spectators, you're banned from the Tokyo Olympics. The mystery of the two scientists who were fired from Canada's highest security lab continues. Independent MP Jody Wilson-Raybould and former Liberal Cabinet Minister and Attorney General will not run in the next federal election. And a former Deputy Prime Minister is calling on Ottawa to investigate U.S. cancellations of Canadian Nexus cards. And to wrap it all up, we'll talk about some Stanley Cup playoff hockey. Scugog Council to appoint a new representative for Scugog Island. The race to represent Scugog Island around the council table will be open to all township residents after councillors voted to host an open call for applicants to replace Angus Ross. A special committee meeting, a special council meeting was held June 30th to officially declare the Ward 3 seat vacant after Ross informed the township through a letter included in the June 21st agenda that he would be resigning as the Scugog Island representative as his family is relocating. Ross was first elected to the post as Scugog's Ward 3 councillor in the 2018 municipal election. At the June 30th meeting, council was presented with three options for replacing Ross. Either appoint a successor through an open call for applicants, or from the roster of unsuccessful applicants or candidates in 2018 municipal election, or by hosting a by-election for Scugog Island residents. Scugog will now accept applicants from qualified residents, no matter where they live in the township, from July 5th to 23rd. Applicants must be submitted and complete applicants' forms along with a $100 administrative fee and provide two pieces of ID that confirm residency in Scugog. As well, they need to submit a document up to two pages in length describing why they believe they're qualified and the best candidate for the job. While council ultimately voted unanimously to hold an open call for applicants, there were some reservations about the possibility of an outsider representing Scugog Island residents. Well, you don't necessarily need to reside in the ward that you are representing. I'm a perfect example of that. I think the island has a very unique attributes, and this is according to the Ward 2 counselor. I feel there are a very strong group of individuals who are looking for representation, someone who understands what it's like to live on the island. So I am torn as to which would be the right direction or whether a by-election would be the only way to ensure that someone is representing the needs of island residents. According to Scugog's staff, the Municipal Election Act does not require a candidate to reside in the ward they hope to represent. So, Robert Rock, a Scugog Island resident who has confirmed his interest in succeeding Ross, said he's in favor of council's appointment decision given the expected cost of a by-election, according to staff, would be about $25,000 and could be as high as $30,000. And there's work involved as well. 
There's also the fact that another municipal election schedule is scheduled for next year in October of 2022. When councillors make their choice, however, Rock hopes they give weight to candidates who are familiar with Scugog Island issues and take into account feedback from the wishes of Ward 3 residents. It's not going to be a democratic process, but I think there's still some facility for the council to have some feedback and input from the interested parties. And this was according to Rock, and he oversees the Scugog Island's neighbors page on Facebook. So another option that was briefly considered by councillors was appointing a runner-up from the 2018 election. However, according to staff, three candidates who lost their bid for election seat in that election did not file a mandatory financial statement and, as a result, had been deemed ineligible. Among those people are Charlotte Hale, who lost to Ross 474 to 286 votes. In an email to the Port Perry Star, Hill said she did not file a financial statement as my campaign was self-funded with the exception of a $100 donation, this being one $100 donation. Scugog will host two virtual open houses on July 8th at 6.30 p.m. and on July 14th at 2 p.m. for interested applicants to learn more about the appointment process and Ward 3 position. It is expected that a special council meeting will be held August 9th at 1.30 where each qualified applicant will pitch themselves to council in five-minute presentations. For those presentations, council will select somebody who will replace Ross. For more information, you can visit www.scugog.ca slash council vacancy. Port Perry High School grads are collaborating for a show at Scugog Art Gallery. Two former Port Perry High School students will showcase their new skills in a new art show dubbed Worlds Collide. Jeffrey Lane and John Colwell, who have each known each other since early art classes at Port Perry High School, have partnered up to present Worlds Collide, which features more than 20 original artworks showcasing woodcut shapes and psychedelic motifs. The pieces encapsulate the artist's self-isolation reflections and questions for our post-pandemic world, says a press release promoting the show. While the pair collaborated multiple times and shared art sessions, this will be their first opportunity to be featured in a gallery together. Opening night will be Saturday, July 10th and is sponsored by Town Brewery. The artwork will be featured in the Queen Street Gallery for the remainder of the month of July and the entry free is a free of charge. Lane, who specializes in wood paneling and acrylic, is a graphic artist and a creative director with over a decade of experience in the industry. With a French-only background, he relocated to Port Perry as a young teen and has traveled the globe broadening his palette and capturing real-world inspiration. From far-off corners of the globe such as Tasmania, he's gone on to launch an art show in Japan, paint murals in multiple Australian cities, help create logos and branding for Fortune 500 companies as well as mom-and-pop shops. And Kowal 
is described as a John of all trades and has been inspired by street art, graffiti, vinyl toys, punk rock, tattoos, and skateboarding. At 32, he resides on Scugog Island and is a member of the Mississaugas of Scugog Island First Nation. He had some formal art education at Durham College and completed a year of graphic design, but is pretty much self-taught. He completed plenty of design work around Scugog and the rest of the Greater Toronto Area, with particular pride in creating the new MSINF logo in 2018 and a couple of murals at Port Perry High School in 2019. The Scugog's Arts Gallery is at 175B Queen Street in Port Perry. For more information, visit www.scugogarts.ca. Whitby will spend up to $4 million to boost customer service in the next four years. In a bid to keep up with the times, the town of Whitby will spend up to $4 million tax dollars to boost customer service levels over the next four years. Council supported the move in a unanimous vote at a recent council meeting, opting to create a brand new service, Whitby Department, to handle all incoming customer service inquiries, whether by phone or by email. I think it's a critical step forward for the town so we can improve our service level, said Regional Councillor Chris Leahy, in praising the decision. Leahy expressed disappointment, however, that none of the spending could come from the capital budget or through development charges after he asked the Finance Commissioner whether the town could use such funds for technological improvements. Ian Shelley of Blackland Consulting told Council his public surveys conducted over a number of months showed the public found it difficult at the town to find the right person and get consistent and get inconsistent responses from people. Developers and regular customers felt the difficulty they faced was having to deal with so many different departments, community groups felt there was no institutional memory of them, and that they had to present the same file over and over again. Shelley said the solution is to have a dedicated customer service function. You need a front desk, a service whippy that has a history and a status of interaction with the town for customers. Shelley recommended that service whippy initially operate during the town's regular business hours to standardize payments methods across departments depending on what is needed by department and work towards a customer service training program for all Town of Whippy staff. Shelley did say the current staff has a very strong and positive outlook towards customer service, but added, we could do a bit more with seeing it from the eyes of a customer. Counselors committed that a customer service department was needed to bring Whippy into the 21st century in terms of meeting the needs of citizens and businesses. The town is becoming too big to keep operating this old-fashioned way. The pigeons are getting tired of flying the notes around from everyone. Regional Councillor Rhonda McCauley joked, Spectators are officially banned from the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. The Tokyo Olympics will take place this year without any spectators, said organizers said on Thursday, as the resurgent pandemic forced Japan to declare a coronavirus state of emergency for the capital, this is Tokyo, 
that will run throughout the event. Although widely expected, the move marked as a sharp turn from just weeks earlier when organizers said they aimed to hold the global sporting showpiece with limited local Japanese spectators. It is regrettable that we are delivering the games in a very limited format facing the spread of coronavirus infections, and this is according to the Tokyo 2020 president. He said following talks between government officials, Tokyo organizers, and the Olympic and Paralympic representatives, I am sorry to those who have purchased tickets and everyone in local areas. The Prime Minister of Japan says it is essential to prevent Tokyo where the highly infectious Delta variant was spreading from becoming a source of another wave of infections. So this ban all but rules out any spectators for the Tokyo 2020 Games, and they're scheduled to run from July 23rd to August 8th. So these games were once seen as a chance for Japan to stand large on the global stage after a devastating earthquake a decade ago. The event was delayed last year by the pandemic, and has been hit by massive budget overruns. Olympic Minister of Japan said organizers have agreed to halt the games without spectators in Tokyo and to make decisions about venues outside of the capital based on local situations. Medical experts have said for weeks that having no spectators would be the least risky option, aimed widespread public fears that an influx of thousands of athletes and officials would fuel a fresh wave of infections. Fans from abroad were banned several months ago from attending the Tokyo 2020 Games. Mystery around two fired scientists seems to point to a larger issue at Canada's high-security lab in Winnipeg, according to some former colleagues. Two leading scientists are standing by a pair of researchers fired from Canada's only level 4 rheology lab, instead pointing the finger at issues with the Winnipeg-based facility itself. Dr. Shangguo Chu and her biologist husband, Keting Chang, were stripped of their security clearances and ex escorted from the micro from the National Microbiology Lab NML in July of 2019. They were then fired this January, but the Public Health Agency of Canada has refused to say why. An RCMP investigation is also ongoing, and no charges have been laid to this point. For months, opposition MPs have been demanding answers as to why the couple's dismissal happened and as to why the removal of Chinese students who they are working with, and whether or not it's linked to espionage. The Public Health Agency of Canada and government officials have remained tight-lipped about the dismissal. First, they cited privacy legislation, but more recently they're saying the cases involve national security. Well, two former colleagues are speaking out and saying that this speculation is all wrong. So for the past two years, Gary Kobinger has been watching the case with dismay and disbelief from his lab at Laval University. As head of the NML's Special Pathogens Unit until 2016, Kobinger and Ku worked closely together and were internationally acclaimed for creating the ZMAP and Ebola vaccine that saved thousands of lives in West Africa. 
Qua told me that the misunderstanding, that this is a misunderstanding, and I don't know why, I was walked out of the building. She didn't understand. She was from the bottom of their heart saying this as is a misunderstanding, he said in an interview. After talking with Qua and, and other government scientists, Kobinger said he believes the incident started when Qua was traveling to China with the NML's knowledge and approval to help set up a level 4 lab in Wuhan. Someone at the PHAC, the Public Health Agency of Canada, was concerned she was sharing prop- proprietary information about biosafety protocols, according to Kobinger. But it's something that's done regularly between colleagues, he said, so they don't have to reinvent the wheel and they don't have to repeat the mistakes of the past. These protocols are very specific to location, but they are heavily dependent on the physical room where the work is being done, said Kobinger. So sharing this is intellectual property, really. Are you breaching intellectual property because you're saying on our side we determined this material is A, B, C, D? In the wake of those trips, PHAC discovered that Ku was listed as an inventor on two patents filed by agencies in China in 2017 and 2019, a concern that Kobinger said snowballed needlessly. Chinese scientists gave Q credit for her work, but neither PHAC nor the National Microbiology Lab are named on the patents. This means Canada would be unlikely to receive royalties associated with any sales of the technology, should it make it to market. Federal legislation states Ottawa owns all inventions made by public servants and government employees cannot file a patent outside of the country without the minister's permission. While PHAC has the right to raise questions about the patents, Kobinger says the agency overreacted. Ku uh, told me she was unaware her name had been added to the patents and that she herself reported it, the second one, to PHAC. Independent MP and former Liberal Cabinet Minister Jody Rosen-Raybould will not be running in the next federal election. In a letter posted online Thursday, Wilson-Raybould said she had decided to work on issues that are important to her in different venues. This was not an easy or quick decision to make, the letter reads. It came about through long reflection on and writing about my own experiences in Ottawa. Insights over others have shared with me and a growing realization of the depth of shifts needed in our political culture. Wilson-Raybould has been representing the riding of Vancouver-Granville since 2015. You can read her statement on Twitter by going to her account and looking for her post that says, I'm sharing some news today to get her full statement. Former Deputy Prime Minister is calling on Ottawa to investigate U.S. cancellation of Canadian Nexus cards. The former Deputy Prime Minister who negotiated the Nexus Trusted Traveler Program with the United States says the Canadian government should ask the U.S. to examine the way the program's rules are being enforced. John Manley says he was surprised to learn of how many Nexus cards held by Canadians have been revoked by American officials. The reasons that prompted some revocations and the difficulty by Canadians have been experiencing when they have tried to appeal for the loss of their card. 
It's stunning that the numbers are as great as they are and that exercise of authority to cancel it is being done in the manner that seems somewhat precarious and unjustified, Manly, who's a Nexus cardholder himself, said. This is terrible, disappointing, and certainly not what former Secretary of Homeland Security Tom Ridge and I had in mind, ensuring that this program existed. Manley, a former Liberal cabinet minister, said the Canadian government should take advantage of the current Americans' concerns about the Canadian border being closed to get the U.S. to improve its way it runs both the program and the appeal process. We subscribe to the U.S. principles of the rule of law and administrative law that requires a decision to be made not by arbitrary and a decision that can be reviewed. I think it would be only pressure from Canada that the U.S. would change their procedure around this, according to Manley. Public Safety Minister Bill Blair's office refused to comment, referring all questions to the Canada Border Service Agency, CBSA. They're the ones who screen you when you come across the border to enter Canada. The CBSA told CBC News it has no jurisdiction over the actions of U.S. Customs and Border Protection, CBP, or its decisions about Nexus members and could spec and couldn't speculate on why the U.S. government had revoked far more memberships than the Canadian government. Each agency operates pursuant to different national legislation and has independent assessment criteria, as well as access to different databases when determining a member's continued eligibility. And this is according to a CBSA spokesperson, Jacqueline Callan, who pointed out that fewer than 1% of Nexus cards have been revoked over the past five years. The Nexus Travelers Trusted Travelers Program, announced in 2002, is jointly run by CBSA and CBP. It allows cardholders to fast-track through customs and speed through airports, while many use the cards for cross-border travel. Some, ho- some cardholders use it mainly for reducing wait times while traveling within Canada. The CBSA said there were 1.7 million Nexus cardholders as of May 2021. According to CBP, 77% of those with Nexus cards are Canadian, while 21% are American. 2% fall into a category of others. According to numbers that have been obtained, while Americans make up less than a quarter of Nexus members, American officials are responsible for 77% of Nexus card revocations. So, Canadian and American officials revoked 15,807 Nexus cards between January 1st, 2016 and May 25th, 2021, while the CBSA says it's revoked 3,591 cards, representing 22% of revocations. American CDP officials, CBP officials say they've revoked 12,216 cards. A CBP spokesperson said that the service cannot say exactly how many of the cards the agency revoked were held by Canadians and how many were held by Americans. Some lawyers are raising issue with this, saying that the cards should not necessarily be revoked for minor violations, such as some food left in a purse, um, as well as grandkids bring, uh, people bring grandkids into the Nexus line when they don't have a Nexus card. And that cards should be revoked for major violations or big violations and not minor violations. 
Uh, Nexus is, is more popular than expected. So Manley, who is a former deputy prime minister, said the Nexus program has become more popular than officials anticipated when it was launched in a bid to pre-clear low-risk travelers and allow officials to concentrate on potential security threats. I don't think it was even in our minds that it would become such a core component and therefore you need to build some legal structure around issuing it, but also fairness and revocation if it was called for, he said. So NDP Deputy Public Safety Critic Don Davies agrees there should be more transparency and more opportunity to appeal. Uh, Davies also said that the Canadian government needs to take action on this. And he says that the governments need to work hand in hand together to fix this systemic problem. And he thinks it requires a government to government systemic answer. Davies also wants the government to ensure that Nexus memberships are not being revoked because of someone's race or religion. He says there has been occasions where I think race and religion and assumptions about ethnicity and or politics may be a factor in border decisions. He said, and I think that is something that Canadian government needs to investigate and make sure that there's not a case here. It's one thing to have your nexus privileges revoked if you're a legitimate security concern. It's another if it's some sort of profiling that is being done that is not legitimate. So conservative public safety critic Shannon Stubbs says Canadians whose Nexus cards are revoked deserve guidance and clear avenue to appeal the decision. Canadian conservatives are calling on the Liberals to work collaboratively with their U.S. counterparts to ensure there is a clear appeal process that respects the needs of cross-border communities and workers, as well as all Canadian travelers, according to the, uh, the conservative public safety critic Shannon Stubbs. In sports, the Montreal Canadiens' run to the Stanley Cup has finally come to an end after they lost last night 1-0 to the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. In the series, Tampa Bay originally took a 3-0 series lead. However, Montreal came back to win Game 4 at home in a overtime. However, Tampa Bay would go on to win the Stanley Cup in Game 5, winning 1-0 that game and ending the series and ending the season and making Tampa Bay the first team to win back-to-back -back Stanley Cups in over 20 years. Thank you very much for tuning in to Zach News on Riot Radio. We look forward to seeing you again. Don't forget you can follow the show on riotradio.ca and you can follow the station on social media at DCSI Riot Radio. Playing us out today right here on Riot Radio is Vacation by Dirty Heads. I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. Hey, I'm on vacation. If you don't like your life, then you should go and change it. Hey, I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. Hey, I'm on vacation every single day, every, every single day. Every single day, every single day. Everybody sour like a lemon tree I'm just smiling down upon my enemies Do they love it on a daily? Say you hate your job but you'll never leave Never leave but that ain't gonna be me That ain't gonna be me My 
my brother called me up, said he saw me on TV. I said it wasn't easy, but right now I'm living breezy. Build this engine from the ground up, now my hands they ain't so greasy. Feel me? Hey, I'm on vacation every single day, cause I love my occupation. Hey, I'm on vacation every single day, every, every single day. Every single day. Future bright, so thankful for everything. Rejuvenating my inner light as I work hard for all I need. Open arms, embracing life, and all the which you gave to me. How work it pays off, I'm happy now, it's paying me. Close my eyes, sometimes I feel as if I blow away. I love the life, I live and enjoy the ride along the way. I'll make a living out of living, yeah, that's what I say. I got one life to live, and I would live no other way. I'm on vacation every single day Cause I love my occupation Hey, I'm on vacation every single day Every, every single day Every single day Every single day Every single day Every, every single day Van Gogh, my earlobe, I can't hear, I'm here though I may be a weirdo, but this is my year, yo My life may be crazy, my lack of the lazy Has let me do love on the daily Vacation every single day, cause I love my occupation. Hey, I'm on vacation. If you don't like your life, then you should go and change it. Ay.